0: Hello and welcome to the podcast for the March 2013 issue of The Lancet Neurology. Richard Lane here. This month we're focusing on a research article concerning fetal exposure to anti-epileptic drugs in pregnancy. More on that a bit later. But first let's hear the thoughts of The Lancet Neurology's editor Elena becker Barroso, on other content in the March issue. She is on a telephone line from Barcelona, so the quality isn't quite as good as usual. Here's Elena with her highlights from the issue.
1: Thank you very much, Richard. The issue includes another important epilepsy, this one on active convulsive epilepsy, its prevalence is in Saharan Africa, and its associated with these factors. Charles Newton and colleagues present findings from a population-based study in Kenya, South Africa, Uganda, Tanzania, Canada. I think this is actually the largest study ever done in this geographical area. Besides these two original research articles on epilepsy, the issue includes another two articles, A phase two trial of intravenous immunoglobulin in patients with mild to moderate Alzheimer's disease and a prospective study in patients with multiple system atrophy. I think that both articles are quite interesting. The report of the trial because it presents results that are not in total agreement with those from some previous studies. And the MSA study because it provides valuable longitudinal data on the natural history of this movement disorder, data that are very difficult to obtain. In the review section, four papers on a variety of topics. First of all, an article on the uses of hypothermia for the treatment of patients with acute ischemic stroke, a fascinating paper on sleepwalking, that is somnambulism, covering diagnosis and treatment of somnambulism, and also a different hypothesis on the pathophysiology of this sleep disorder, a comprehensive review on the peripheral nerve disorders that are commonly associated with HIV infection, either because of the infection or because of the toxicity of the antiretroviral therapies, and finally, an analysis of the controversies and priorities in amyotrophic lateral sclerosis research, which I find particularly timely in the context of the recent discovery of the hexanucleotide repeat sequence expansion in C9 ORF72. The discovery of this mutation in patients with ALS has vital effects in the field, and this authors evaluate what this discovery means, both clinically and scientifically in depth.
0: Now, as I mentioned earlier, our focus this month is about fetal exposure to anti-epileptic drugs. Let's hear one of the authors of this paper introducing himself and then running on to the interview that we ran a couple of weeks ago. Kimford J. Meador, I'm the professor of neurology at Emory University and director of epilepsy here. Professor Meador, many thanks indeed for talking to The Lancet Neurology. You're one of the authors of an article and this is looking at fetal exposure to antiepileptic. drugs drugs relating to intelligence quotient later in life. Before we go on and discuss the details and findings of the study, how would you summarize the clinical problem here and and what has previous research told us up until this current study that we're about to discuss?
2: Well, the first studies examining fetal effects of anticovalescent drugs were published in the 1960s, not long after the thalidomide tragedy. And at that time, uh, it was noted that uh, women with epilepsy had increased risk of uh, congenital malformations in their children, and it, and, it, and it was more in women that were taking drugs versus not, and more in women that were taking higher dosages. So these were on the older anticonvulsants at that time. Over the years, uh, also it was noted that uh, these risks did not seem apparent in uh, children of men with epilepsy, so it seemed like it was related to exposure. There was animal data showing that the drugs were... Teratogenic uh, and could produce congenital malformations. In the 1980s, there were articles in animals showing that the drugs could produce behavioral problems, cognitive problems in the animals. It does it just lower than those required to produce uh, congenital malformations. But it remained uncertain in humans as to whether these uh, drugs cause problems uh, in cognition and whether, more importantly, were there differences in the drugs in terms of these effects because the dilemma for women with epilepsy is that they, we do not like to expose children to drugs, but in this case, there were, the risk is that the mother not taking the medications for the majority of women with epilepsy would be that they would have seizures, and the seizures could be a risk to both the mother and the child. We started this study in uh, 1999, and uh, this uh, article is the publication of the main results and, and extension of other findings that we found, too. Our initial plan was to enroll these women, which we did as a prospective observational study, with the intent to take the from the time the women were pregnant, early in pregnancy, to follow them and, and their children all the way to the children who were six years of age and test the children at six years of age. Because six years of age is a very important point in terms of testing children. It's uh, very predictive of adult IQ. It also allows you, it, it's uh, right when they're ready, starting school, so it's going to affect school performance right off the bat. And it's also going to uh, allow you to do other types of testing, more detailed cognitive testing that you can do at younger ages. So we did test the children at two and three and four and a half and uh, six. And our publication of the three-year-old results actually led the U.S. Uh, FDA to add an extra label to valprate, warning risk of, uh, of cognitive problems in children exposed to uh, valprate versus our other drugs. Now, we... Rode women on four different drugs in monotherapy. And the reason we did it in monotherapy was because there was some evidence to suggest that polytherapy is bad in in multiple ways uh, for the child, like increased risk for malformations, at least on the older drugs. Less clear on the newer drugs at this point. The reason we chose those four drugs is those were the four drugs far and away most used in our centers. This is a multi-center study across the U.S. and and, uh, U.K. that was at... uh, centers of epilepsy specialty. And these four drugs were the four monotherapy that we used the most. No other drug was even used enough to even collect enough sample to evaluate statistically. So the four drugs were carbamazepine, lamotrigine, phenytoin, and valproate. It followed these children to six years of age because it was our plan and also it was very important to know if anything happened after three years of age that would alter implications from our three-year-old results. and. In fact, all the children, irrespective of a drug, improved over the course of from two to three to four and a half to six in terms of their IQ. This may in part been test-retest effects, and also because when we found children with deficits, we were referring them to get... uh, intervention therapy. So it's unclear about about that.
0: Nevertheless, there's a di- all the children were treated the same, all the groups were treated the same. Thanks for explaining that. And um, do go on now and, and outline the top line results because you had a very clear finding again, once again for Valparate, didn't you?
2: So we enrolled uh, 305 mothers and there were uh, 311 children born. There were six pairs, twin pairs. At six years of age, we found that the Valparate group had lower IQ than the other drugs by uh, seven to ten IQ points. So this is over half a standard deviation and would certainly be clinically significant. I've been asked that the mean for the valve break group was in the normal range. Um, Is it really that bad? Well, I would ask anyone, would they want their own child to lose half a standard deviation? That's a pretty substantial uh, loss of uh, intelligence and one that has been shown in other diseases to have a major impact on earnings and creativity in people's lives. So I I certainly think this is important clinically.
0: And what about comparisons of the other drugs? Because there was a sliding scale with Valparate clearly lower than than the others. Was there any significance between uh, any any differences between the other drugs?
2: No, the other three drugs did not differ. They were pretty tightly clustered together. In addition, there was a dose-dependent effect for valproate. so the higher the dose, the worse the effect. And so this is a particularly important message that the higher dosage uh, is something to try to be avoided at all costs. Our study also examined a variety of other cognitive measures, and, uh, including verbal abilities, uh, nonverbal abilities, memory, and executive functions. And uh, the valproate different than the other drugs on verbal and and memory abilities, and it also differed from the motratrine on nonverbal and executive functions. Evaporate uh, also demonstrated a dose-dependent effect on all those v- different functions, and none of the other drugs exhibited a dose-dependent effect. The other interesting finding we had that was not one of the things that we set out a priori to look at, although we did collect it a priori because we were concerned that there might be some kind of uh, effect on the results, and there were a variety of things that we did look at in that way. But one of the things that came out uh, positive that was interesting was that we saw effect of periconceptual folate, not the folate later in pregnancy for which we did not find this, any significant effect. But the folate that the mother was taking at the time of conception, at time of conception, in the first few weeks of pregnancy before she went to OB, typically at these centers, when the women uh, uh, find that they're pregnant or are concerned they're pregnant, they go to their obstetrician and, and they're. Their, they are uh, put on high dosages of folate. But not all the women were taking folate at the time of conception. About half our mothers took folate, about half didn't. So we could look at this effect. We found a uh, pretty robust effect of of the periconceptual folate in that they were uh, about five IQ points higher if the mother was taking periconceptual folate. That's after adjusting for all the other... Uh, factors that we were analyzing in in the studying. This effect appeared to be across all the drugs, so there was a positive effect. And there have been several publications in the last uh, four years or so, about seven other publications, uh, suggesting a positive effect to periconsceptual folate. This would be the first study in women with epilepsy, in the children of women with epilepsy, that has really shown this. So it it gives me, uh, when I'm talking to women, uh, uh, another message beyond just taking folate uh, for to reduce malformations, but also to take folate because it may have positive effects uh, on the child. This this will have to be studied further, but it, it, the data is lining up in that way right now.
0: Thank you very much. Uh, very interesting, very important findings here. Some obvious conclusions then. I mean, valparate already had an FDA warning, you said, when we had results, when there were results available for infants up to three years. So what are the implications from this latest analysis, do you think?
2: Well, it's confirmed those results, and it's also demonstrated that the effects go across a variety of, of uh, cognitive measures, not just IQ, which is only one component of, of cognitive abilities. My conclusion from it is that you, com- you combine these findings along with the findings that evaporation uh, has the highest risk for congenital malformations, and I think it's a very poor choice uh, as a first choice for women with epilepsy. However, having said that, there is a group of women with... Uh, generalized epilepsy such as juvenile myoclonic epilepsy for which Valparate is the best drug and to control their seizures and there's a subgroup that is only controlled with that drug. May I estimate it's about 15% from the Sinai study which was done in the UK. I think that subgroup of women you may have to move to valproate to be able to get good seizure control but I don't start with valproate. I start with another drug and work my way that way because I can't predict which uh, women are going to uh, respond to not respond to the other drugs, and i can 't predict which women children that are going to get the malformations and or the congenital or, or the uh, cognitive problems, but I can fix the seizures by simply moving on different drugs and finally to evaporate if that 's what it takes as a last resort certainly down the road i mean not this has this is a decision that's made with the woman and the physician. It's not just the physician's choice or, or clinician's sure. choice. Yeah. The, the, the woman has to be informed about this so she can help make the decision. And I think most women, at least in my practice, uh, would not choose this as the first uh, line drug. if there's any possibility that we would have children in the future. There are some women who maybe will choose never to have children. And uh, so Valparate be might be a reasonable choice even first for them. Although you have to remember that if a woman is not choosing to get pregnant right now, she might choose later unless uh, maybe she's a nun or something like that. She's never going to become pregnant. Uh, But about half the pregnancies in the United States are unplanned. So I think just waiting until you plan to get pregnant is not a very good idea for that choosing to switch the drug there. And it's better to figure out which drug works early rather than trying to change things in the middle of pregnancy, which is... Is very cumbersome and and even dangerous.
0: Well, it's a fascinating study, very important, very clear findings. Really enjoyed talking about it. More details in the paper, of course, than the comment. But in the meantime, Dr. Kim Mehta on the line from Emory University, Atlanta, United States. Many thanks indeed for talking to The Lancet Neurology. Thank you so much, Richard. appreciate your help. Many thanks indeed to Kim Mehta and earlier to Elena becker Barroso, And to you all for listening. See you next month.